Adventures with My 40s. I'm Courtney Henning Novak, a 42-year-old woman doing my best to thrive during this decade of life. You can find the show notes at CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And here's the show. Hello, adventurers. This is episode 25, and I'm recording this on Tuesday, April 20th, uh, just about lunchtime, and both my kids are at school. Actually, school. Like the physical building. School. Pippa started hybrid last week. Hallelujah. It's not enough for her or me. Like, that poor girl. Such an extrovert. And it has been so hard on her to not be around other kids. She thrives on school. She also loves activities. Like, doing things. And she loves her independence. Like, she has had an independent streak since she was a baby. she My mom, I remember... Uh, telling me to help Pippa learn how to walk by holding her hands and, you know, balancing her. And I, and I told my mom, I, I can't. I've tried that. She won't let me. So then my mom's like, it's easy. And she does it. And Pippa just goes boneless. And then when, when grandma walks away, she gets up again and tries to cruise. And my mom's like, oh, oh, so she she just wants to do it on her own. I'm like, yeah, yeah she's, she's just going to do it on her own. So kid needs school, but at least it's something. It's not enough. It's two days a week for about five hours. And then the other two days, so she goes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, she's supposed to be distance learning. So the teachers, are, it's so absurd. They're not, it's a, it's so dystopian. Like if someone had put this in a novel a year ago, you would have been like, that's crazy. But it's actually happening. The kids are at their desks and they bring their Chromebooks and they boot up and they go to Google Meets. And the teacher has his back to the freaking class. And he's teaching to the computer and he's teaching to the kids at home and to the kids who are in the class looking at their computer and Pippa says this is stupid but she would rather be doing that than being at home distance learning all four days and then Mondays they have the one hour of distance learning whatever oh, so ridiculous um but it, it, it's just it, it sounds like I haven't heard a good system yet for hybrid it would have made sense to have shuffled around classes because there's kids in the class who are solely doing distance learning. And you know, we live in a, the Pasadena district and there's multiple elementary schools. I don't understand why they didn't just designate one second grade teacher as this is the distance learning teacher. It doesn't matter if the teacher actually goes to your physical school or not if you're not going to school. And then the teachers who actually have kids coming into school could teach to the kids who are at school and then send them home with a packet for the other days. I've heard about people who have like the two days of actual instruction and the other two days of a packet. Sounds much more reasonable for the kids, but this is the shitty system they came up for in Pasadena. You know, it's okay because I'm working on my room mom series. I'm doing really well with revisions on book one and Erfie, it's a, it's, have I talked about this? It's a, it's a novel and I'm planning to write it as a series about a mom who grew up in the circus and didn't go to school. And now her daughter in the first book is entering her first year of preschool and she becomes a room mom and she feels like a total imposter because she never went to school and she's like, I don't even know what we're supposed to do. And it's it's been really fun to write. But, and so every year is going to be the next year in school. And so it'll be three years of preschool. My kids went to three years of preschool. And then, you know, kindergarten and first grade will like just has this built in drama because the pandemic closes school down at the end of the year. And then the sixth book will be a year of distance learning. And um, 
I already know how that book will begin. Like, it will literally begin as, oh, we're on this tropical beach. I'm so glad we decided to come here instead of stay in Pasadena for the year. And, like, my husband's bringing me this drink. You could, it's, it's written in the first person. It's not me. I didn't grow up in the surface. And then it'll be, like, record scratch. Just kidding. We're in Pasadena, and there's fires going on, and we're trapped in the house, and distance learning is literally hell on earth. So... You know, the more shitty the school district makes this experience, the more interesting my novels will be. The more, uh, you know, inspiration they're giving me for my book. So thank you, I guess, Pasadena Unified School District for doing such a bang-up shitty job with hybrid school. We had to um, get Pippa a rolling backpack. I ordered it for Amazon for her over the weekend because... So the, the principal sends the email saying, be sure to pack lightly. It's really hard for the kids to, you know, get in and out of the cars quickly with heavy backpacks because we parents aren't, we can't walk them in. So it's all this long car line drop off. And then the teacher, though, has them bringing everything to school. Like they have to bring like math, social studies, notebooks to write in, their whiteboards, and then their Chromebooks. And it is flipping heavy. I've tried to hold her backpack. I'm like what the fuck? This is going to be a generation of children who all have scoliosis. So we got her, and I was getting angry about it, and was thinking, who do I email? Who do I complain to? Do I complain to the principal? Do I complain to her teacher? And then I was like, just buy her the backpack with wheels. Let it go. It'll be her third grade backpack too. Let it go. So that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, so that's what I did. Trying to, I actually ordered the backpack, trying to let shit go. It's hard. I have to keep reminding myself that this is hard, that I'm not supposed to have my daughter going to school twice a week for five hours and my son doing, he's doing preschool, but like he only gets to stay extra twice a week and it's only till 1.30 when they used to have a program that ran to four. And I never had him stay that late, but still he would have stayed, he stayed till three last school year many days and he loved it. He would like complain that I wasn't sending him enough and make me sign him up more. So, you know, I, I just have kids all the time and an extroverted daughter who needs me. And then Julian was feeling um, very neglected and upset this past week because Pippa only has the hour of school on Mondays. So I've taken her on a couple of field trips recently as things are opening up here. We went to the Science Museum and the um, LACMA, which is the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, and Julian was just, like, heartbroken over this. And, you know, we were talking about it, and finally, I, you know, I was like, do you feel like I love her more? And he's like, yes, I do, and he was so sad. And it's just like, okay, so I need to give him more attention because I'm giving her more attention, and he doesn't understand that the reason I'm giving her more attention is because she's extroverted and not able to go to school and is like, I'm trying to prop up her mental health as best as I can. And he doesn't understand that I'm an introvert and I am like just struggling to get a little more time to myself and that he will have a lot of time with me this summer because I have her going to a Girl Scout camp, which is five days a week, full days. And he's going to preschool camp, which is three days a week for three hours. So he's going to have Mondays and Fridays entirely with me. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, he's going to have the afternoon with me. He is going to have Mama Palooza. I mean, it is just going to be mommy sun time coming out his wazoo. He's going to be sick of me. 
Probably not, actually. But we are going to go to the zoo and Chuck E. Cheese and to the indoor playgrounds. And we're going to have playdates. And we're going to go to the beach. And we're going to go to that the farm he loves. We're going to do so much shit in a month. Like, a month and a half. Less than a month and a half. Oh, my God. And he doesn't get that. And I'm like, and I'm, so I'm having to be like, to reassure him and comfort him. I took him to Coco's for lunch on Friday. I'm thinking maybe, you know, he wants me to like have him play hooky one day and we go on a date. So I think we'll do that. But I'm also, I've got to like take care of myself too, because the, the, the shit, there's just no end in sight. Like we don't have any assurances that next school year will be normal. People are getting vaccinated here. LA County rates are really, really low. Pasadena, they're even lower. And I mean, we had the, it's just like, it seems like we should have at least the plans to go back to normal school. I'm like, look, you can always pull the plug if you have to, but just freaking go back. But there's just, who knows? Who the flip knows? So, all right, that's enough venting about life. You know, talking about good things, we did have a good thing happen. I got our um, Mario Kart game playing and we had it. And for some reason, and we got the Wii set up probably not quite a year ago. It's actually not the Wii. I still think of it as the Wii. It's the Nintendo Switch. And the kids have been playing different games with Nathan. Julian is obsessed. He got games for his birthday and then for Christmas. And they've been playing all these Super Mario games and like Donkey Kong and um, Luigi's Mansion. And we had Mario Kart. But for some reason, I had this memory that the game was broken. And I think that the last time we had um, our last Nintendo system, which I think was the U, I think Mario Kart broke for that and we had issues with it and that this ish version never had issues. But me and Nathan both had it in our minds that the game was broken, so we weren't trying. But like over the weekend, I think it was like last Thursday, I just felt inspired and I set it up and oh my God, I forgot how much I love Mario Kart. I mean, I knew like theoretically that I loved it, but playing it, I'm just so happy. Nathan and I have been playing it every night after the kids are asleep. We play for like, I'm playing way past bedtime. I'm usually try to be unplugged by nine and it's, but the kids, we, we, ha we have to wait until they're asleep because if Pippa comes out for a goodbye, goodnight kiss, a final goodnight kiss at like 840 and we're playing Mario Kart, she'll, she'll lose her mind. So we have to really wait. So I, I'm, I'm playing until like 930 and I'm still sleeping well and I'm having so much fun and and I also play with the kids sometimes during the day. And it's just like, oh, it's just so great to have fun and play. And I don't think about anything but Mario Kart when I'm playing Mario Kart. And I'm so happy. But now let's talk about some real shit. I mean, this is all real, but the, the actual subject of this episode. I want to talk about the mirrors in our lives that reveal our inner work. Or really my inner work. But I think we all have mirrors. And there's opportunities to use an experience or anything to find just meaning or what work you need to do on yourself or just what you need to be reminded of. So let me just explain it. I really was thinking about this the past few days because I'm reading this book called The Push by Ashley Audrain and uh, it's the book for my um, book club which is meeting this weekend. So it's a, it was a great pick. And I don't want, I'm not even, I'm not even done yet, so, but I don't want to spoil it at all, so I'm just going to read the Amazon book description. 
a tense, page-turning psychological drama about the making and breaking of a family and a woman whose experience of motherhood is nothing at all what she hoped for and everything she feared. Blythe Connor is determined that she will be the warm, comforting mother to her new baby Violet that she herself never had. But in the thick of motherhood's exhausting early days, Blythe becomes convinced that something is wrong with her daughter. She doesn't behave like most children do. Or is it all in Blythe's head? Her husband, Fox, says she's imagining things. The more Fox dismisses her fears, the more Blythe begins to question her own sanity, and the more we begin to question what Blythe is telling us about her life as well. Okay, I'm not going to keep reading the description, but there's, I've been reading the book, and I'm just over halfway done. And I'm listening to the audio, by the way, which is excellent. So if you're an audio person, I recommend the audio for this. And I've been, you know, I've been thinking about like this beginning where the mom is questioning if there's something wrong with her daughter and whether she behaves or doesn't behave like most children. And I was kept thinking, well, this is like a postpartum depression thing. This is postpartum anxiety. This is some sort of, you know, mental health crisis for the mom. And then I realized, well, I'm, of course, going to read into it that way because of my own experiences with postpartum depression, anxiety, and OCD. But I started to see other ways you could look at the book. Like, the way she was describing the daughter, I started thinking, like, well, a parent whose child is on the spectrum might be thinking that this is a book about a child who's on the spectrum. Or a parent with what I wasn't really thinking about the spectrum I was thinking about um there's a child in, in Pippa's class who has a um a behavioral disorder which I want to the parents told me about it. it was like oppositional defiance disorder I think ODD I might not be remembering it correctly but it's where a child or the person who has it has a real serious like negative reaction to people in authority so maybe like so that like if those I was thinking how if the parents of this child were reading this book they might be thinking oh this child has issues with authority and then I was like the husband was questioning um the mom's interpretations of their daughter's behavior so then I was thinking this could be more of like a question of like is this a rocky marriage is this a checked out dad so someone who's in like a, a failing marriage might think this is more a story about how um, shitty the dad is behaving and I actually just read this book called um, Cassandra Speaks which is which is excellent who wrote that is it Elizabeth Lesser I'm gonna look it up as I talk to you and um, in Cassandra Speaks it's a lot about how um, the w women's voice and women's stories have been left out of history. It is Elizabeth Lesser. Good go me remembering. Cassandra Speaks. When women are the storytellers, the human story changes. And it's called Cassandra Speaks after Cassandra from Greek mythology, who um, was the princess of Troy and the uh, various gods were courting her. And Apollo gave her the gift of prophecy. But then Cassandra still turned Apollo down. So rather than taking away the gift of prophecy, he let her keep that gift. But then he like spit on her or spit in her mouth or something and cursed her. 
So you will know the future, but no one will ever believe you. And so Cassandra then goes on to know that Troy is going to fall and know all these horrible things that happened during the Trojan War. And she's the, you know, telling people and warning people and nobody listens to her. And so then Elizabeth Lesser talks a lot about how women throughout history have been ignored or told like, you know, like Cassandra told, like, you're crazy and how our input has been, how, how it's sort of, you know, we talk about how there's a patriarchy and you, know, you have masculine qualities and feminine qualities. And Elizabeth Lester does a great job, job talking about why she's, she doesn't like using those words because it, then it just, it sort of limits who, who can be what, but she also likes using those words because the feminine has been so denied and the validity of what are deemed feminine qualities have been so denied that we need to like raise their worth up in order to create a more, um, a more, well, like a, a, a view of humanity that's more comprehensive. So anyway, having read Cassandra Speaks recently, I was thinking that a feminist reading the push could be thinking about how this is a story about how women's opinions are just disregarded. Like, you know, if a man, like how, how dismissive the husband is. So, it, you know, it just had me thinking all about mirrors and I, I can't wait to have book club this weekend. Also because I really love the ladies in my book club. I've tried to have a book club so many times and now I finally have this awesome bitching book club and it's, it is fabulous. And I was, I invited myself into this book club because these were moms who I knew from um, a baby class Julian was in. And I overheard two of them talking about it. I was like, what? Are you talking about a book club? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I love reading. So I got myself invited at the same time as I think my friend Annie also got herself invited. And so there's five of us now. And it's just, it's perfect. Um, I love book club. And so this just it's going to be a great book to talk about because there's so many perspectives that you can bring in. But then I was thinking about it and realizing like, you know, really any form of art is the, the creator, the maker, the author, the painter, the composer, they make the art, but then it's out there in the world and it's there for us to interpret. And it's there for us to, um, they're, they're mirrors for us to see how we see the world, to see what work we need to do, or to just see how, what biases we might have or how, you know, we, just how we interpret experiences. So I really, I enjoyed how much this book showed me how, um, reminded me how art has so many different interpretations and that, and that there is no right or wrong interpretation. And that, that I think that's why I shied away from majoring in English. I mean, I started college thinking I could major in English because huge bookworm and love literature, wanted to be a writer, uh, even though I avoided that for years. That's a different story. But I ended up majoring in history. And what I liked about the history major was it was like, all right, what happened? Or trying to figure out well, what do we think happened? And then, and of course, more interpretations were brought in. And now I can look back and see like, well, history, it has the word his in it. What about her story? So uh, you know, I see problems with that. But I, I was you know, 19 when I was picking my major and I didn't have that perspective yet. But with English, I had taken some English classes and I just didn't like 
being told how to interpret books, being told like, this is what Shakespeare meant. This is what Zora Neale Hurston meant. This is what um, J.D. Salinger meant. I really just liked reading the books and enjoying them on my own. And I felt like being an English major would take a lot of the pleasure out of it. And I think that feeds into my idea of how there really is like art is mirrors for us. And I'm excited to next time I go to an art museum to see like, what, what does this bring up for me? and to try to be conscious of that process. Or maybe I don't need to be conscious of it. Maybe it's you know enough to think of it now, but then to just go back out into the world and let art be a mirror for me to see uh, what work I need to do or to remind me of how I'm experiencing the world and then to sort of hit the pause and be like, okay, well, how could other people experience this book? Like it was really interesting to think about all the different ways that people could be reading the push and how they could be experiencing it. Um, Looking forward to that book club. Okay, so mirrors. Another thing that acts as a mirror is or are, ooh, grammar shrek, dreams. I haven't had therapy for a while. I think I had my last session last September. And so, gosh, well over six months now. And I told my therapist, um, I, I've, we don't break up. I have taken breaks many times like this is at least my third or fourth break with her and she gets it that I go in and out of therapy and there's times when I need it and there's times where I don't and I haven't needed it since September and I told her I don't think I need it and um that like that the time I'm taking for therapy is time I need for doing journaling and writing and working on books and podcasting and seeing friends and that zooming for well it wasn't zoom it was some pro it was some platform that was created for therapy I think maybe doctors I don't know um it just wasn't it wasn't meaningful and even if she's back in person now I really I just don't think I'm in a phase where I need therapy I check with my intuition every now and then and it's like no you're good but at the very end of our last session she said pay attention to your dreams that was like her parting advice pay attention to your dreams and I have been and I'll journal about it when I remember dreams and I often find interesting message in my messages in my dreams like you know you're you're worrying too much about this let go and they're and they're never the messages are never like about the actual dream so let me give you an example from last night's dream i dreamed um that i was driving to nebraska with my husband and kids this is weird already because a we've never driven to nebraska and we have no plans to drive to nebraska anytime soon and b i almost never dream about my husband or kids it's like it'll be like either people who I don't even know who they are in my dreams or it'll be like people from high school or college it's not like my husband and kids rarely make an appearance in my dreams so that was weird and we end up going to this ice skating rink and it was this whole long journey to get to it like skating on top of snow it was weird and then we get there and they were actually taking everyone off the rink and they were going to like I don't, they weren't bringing out a Zamboni, but they were doing something to like refresh the ice. So we were waiting our turn. And we finally, after a long wait and keeping the kids happy, we get to go onto the rink. And Nathan and the kids get ahead of me because I'm tying my shoes weird. And I remember that they're skating ahead of me and Nathan is skating with Julian on his shoulders. And I was like, I didn't even know Nathan can skate. I don't, I don't think he can. And why in God's name is he ice skating with my kid on his shoulders? This doesn't look safe. But then 
I was skating and it was really fast. Like the surface was really slick and I didn't remember how to break with, with skates. And I got to this and I was slowly catching up to them, but I got to the far end and the ice had been cracking and people were falling through the ice and were in the water. And it wasn't super deep. It was weird. Like, I don't think an ice skating rink for like professional hockey is like more than a couple inches deep. So this, but this was like, so it wasn't a lake, but it wasn't like a fake skating rink. So people were crashing through the ice, but they weren't so deep that they would like, like be in risk of drowning, but it was cold. So they were cold. So I kept skating and I was skating away from the cracks and I got to the exit where they were ushering everyone off and I got off and then Nathan and the kids got off and I was so relieved to see that they got off and that they were dry. So I wrote about this in my journal and I wrote about the dream and then I was like writing like what the hell is this about? What does this symbolize? What does this mean? And I wrote about different ideas and then the thing I came up with was that we were expecting to go ice skating and that we would wait our turn and then we'd be told you can go on the rink now and that we would skate around in a bunch of circles and have fun and like la-di-da we'd have a great time and instead and the uh, the people who were in charge had told us the ice was good and ready to go but instead it was not it was sort of melted and it was cracking and we were in risk of dying <laughs> and we had to get off and we got off safely and I thought about how the ice and being able to skate on it was like our expectations, but the reality was that the ice was too thin to skate on and it was cracking and breaking. And so the expectations cracked beneath reality. And I just wrote that out in my journal. I was like, huh, that's a good reminder because I have to keep reminding myself, let go of your expectations because that's when you suffer, when expectations don't align with reality and reality reality is reality and reality your, like your expectations will crack beneath the weight of reality because that's just just a, that's just the way it is I mean my expectation is has been for this whole year that my kids would be in school full time both of them reality is there's a pandemic and California went crazy with schools and we're only just now in week two of shitty hybrid hellscape so that's the reality and my expectations, they have not just cracked beneath that that reality, they have been like crushed beyond, like they, it doesn't even look like ice anymore. It's just little fragment dust particles. And whenever I try to like salvage those expectations, what like, I, what am I doing? Like you can't put cracked ice back together into a rink that you can skate on. So in the dream, we moved on. It was like, well, the rink is done and we, traveled away and we got in the car and continued our journey to Nebraska and it's like a message from my subconscious you've got to let go of your expectations and just keep going and in the dream we were flexible and we didn't none of us freaked out and no one was like oh my god like we were supposed to go skating and like how awful the ice cracked and people were in the water and we could have been soaked we could have been hurt we just were like okay so that didn't work out let's continue our journey and like that's what I need to be doing. And that's what I'm trying to do. But God damn, it's hard. Hello, hashtag pandemic. And the thing is, I may have told you that dream. And you may have been like, and if you had written about it, you might have been come to the same conclusion. Or you might have just said, well, Courtney, you know, probably shouldn't play so much Mario Kart before going to bed. Or you might have come up with a completely different interpretation based on whatever's happening in your life. The point is, though, that 
dreams are an interesting opportunity to look in the mirror and see what your subconscious is trying to tell you to like, you know, it's not so much, it is work I need to do. Letting go of my expectations, accepting reality and going on with my life. So yeah, dreams as a mirror for finding the work I need to do. Um, I'm not going to keep talking much longer because I do have to pick up Pippa from school and probably should eat a little, but I have a couple more things that I wanted to touch on as mirrors. Oh, hello phone. It's a notification from Noom. Let's, well, I don't even know. It might beep again. All right. Still doing Noom. I'll talk about that another time. Okay. Other people. Other people are totally a mirror. I think I've talked about this before. I love Byron Katie and she has these questions that you're supposed to ask about an issue and you identify what about someone who is evoking a strong negative reaction in you and you write about why and it's like and you you ask yourself like like let's say you come up with um trying to come up with an example like okay like Pippa's teacher shouldn't have her come to school with all these heavy books. Like he should find a way to be more flexible so that she doesn't have to like haul all these books. And then you ask yourself, is this true? And it's like, well, no, it's not necessarily true. It's, you know, like, it's just like, I don't know, like he might need the books at school. And like, what is he supposed to do? Like, it's not his fault that it's two days hybrid. And then I asked myself, so what do I, how do I feel when I have this thought? Um, I feel angry and annoyed and helpless. How would I feel if I don't have that thought? Well, I feel pretty damn empowered and happy and, you know, carefree. And then the question is, then she has you turn it around where you flip the statement around. And I'm just a little distracted because my neighbor across the street just drove onto her front lawn as a way of parking. I'm just I'm kind of impressed with how she did it. Like, yeah, just drive onto your lawn if you need to. Okay. Um, and then you turn it around where you reverse the statement. So, you know, me being like, oh my God, her teacher should stop making her bring all these books to school because her backpack's so heavy becomes, I should stop making Pippa go to school with um, heavy books in her backpack, which then turns into, I just need to get her a rolling backpack or let her use a rolling suitcase that we have in the basement. So that was a really crappy example to give because I was, I didn't think of one in advance and I, you know, myself should have, and my tummy's getting a little hungry for lunch, but, um, other people and what they, I've noticed like when people, it's, it's really easy to notice when someone is complaining to me about someone else and I'll notice, oh, that thing doesn't bug me so much, but I can see because I don't have that particular issue to work with, but I can see how um, this person, like, like I, I used to be super punctual before I had kids and it would annoy the shit out of me when people were late, like in college, we'd be meeting for dinner and I'd be just waiting and waiting. And I'd feel like an idiot standing there in the dining hall and be like, no, seriously, I'm waiting for someone. Like they're just 15 minutes late. It's annoying. Um, and really it was what I, that was more about me needing to be punctual, me needing to be, be perfect and me holding myself to way too high of a standard. And like, you know, 
instead of, oh, they should never be late, it should be, they should be late because I need to learn how to be flexible about this. And also I can turn around to, I should be late. Like, go ahead and be late sometimes because you're not perfect and life happens and it's okay to be like five, 10 minutes late for something like that doesn't make you a horrible human being. So, all right, other people's mirrors. And the last thing that I, I just want to tack on at the end because I think it's fun are signs and not like and they can be signs like a post sign but like woo woo signs like I don't think about signs that often but sometimes I'll be reading something and someone will say like I noticed like I kept seeing um girls with red hair and I realized I needed to call my friend with red hair and um and I'll hear someone give an example and I'll think oh signs are so fun I wish I wish the universe would send me a sign and then like like clockwork I'll just start noticing shit and I'll be like whoa that's like totally a sign and really I think it's I mean it could be a sign like it totally could be the universe sending me a sign because I asked for one but it could also just be that my subconscious is primed to now look for things that are meaningful and that I can then extract meaning from like one time I the one I always remember is I was taking a walk um, my parents were watching the kids and it was near there. They used to have a house in Pasadena and I was taking this walk that I had taken many, many times where there was just nothing like it was like a woodsy trail and there were houses on one side of the street and I would walk on the side of the street that was just like these, this woodsy wooded area. And on this particular walk, I noticed a bunch of things. First, I noticed this random red nose, rose, not a nose, a rose and a note left on a bench and I don't remember what the note said but I remember reading it and it was like this person had written like you never showed up I really wish you had and like it was this and so I then was walking along and kept thinking about the note and how it was like there was just and, and just imagining the whole story of like was it this couple and they'd broken up and they were trying to get back together like I don't know but I was imagining the story and then I hit, I saw something else that was interesting and I don't remember what it was. I think it was someone playing music on a guitar. So then I was thinking about them and their story. And then I came across just randomly, like in this random dirt wooded area, a person giving someone else like a massage. So like this open air massage. And so then I just started imagining their stories. And then as I was finishing up my walk, I was thinking like, wow I saw so many interesting things and so many stories and I realized well that's because I'm a storyteller and I'm interested in stories and I had been doing something in my life oh I had been um Pippa had started kindergarten and I was in this phase where I was running a postpartum support group for like moms with depression and it was a peer support group and and it was not feeling right anymore and I was also doing my old podcast Adventures with Postpartum Depression and doing interviews with moms and that wasn't feeling right anymore and going on this walk and seeing all these interesting things to me and thinking up all these elaborate stories behind the things I saw reminded me I'm a storyteller and I have limited free time and I need to be using the time I have for writing stories because like that's my passion and it was and at that time I still I don't think I'd published my my memoir yet I needed to finish it up and I realized I just like I need to focus on me telling the stories I feel compelled to tell not 
running a support group that often had zero attendance or and that I didn't feel qualified to run because I wasn't a peer anymore and doing a podcast where I was letting other people tell their stories which was valuable but I just didn't have the time for that um, and I didn't feel called to that work anymore I felt called to do my own storytelling so I think signs are fun and for me they they they, they tend to be there if I want them to be like if I write in my journal I'd love to find some signs about how to handle this problem or what work I should be doing. Um, as soon as I invite the signs, that's that's when I start finding them. Maybe I'll find some signs today. That'd be fun. On that note, my stomach just growled, which I think is a sign that I need to eat some food or get a snack before I go run out to join the car line and pick up Pippa and Julian. God, these days are so fractured, so short, so random. Oh, oh well. I, I guess this is boot camp, and it will be interesting when I get to write book six in my Room Mom series. I hope you are well, and um, maybe you'll notice some signs after this podcast. If you do, let me know. That'd be fun. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures with My 40s. You can reach me through my website, CourtneyHenningNovak.com, or on Instagram at Courtney.Novak. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Have a great and wonderful week.